And we sung this morning many songs of to God be the glory. We want to glorify God. We, we heard in Sunday school a lot about that, and it's, it's, I'm not going to say it's funny. It's God's divine providence. If you were in Sunday school, there's things you heard there that you're going to hear here. There's things we sung about that I didn't send Gabe an email on what I was preaching on. And, all right, it's, it's God's complete orchestration with everything that's going on. So just tie all that in, soak that in, and meditate on God's providence and how he wants to sanctify us to bring himself honor and glory. So like I said, it's, it's, it's very common for many of us Christians to talk about glorifying God. It's heard from the pulpits, it's spoken in the church so much that it made me think that, at least for myself, that maybe... I, maybe we, have not given enough thought, consideration to understand what glorifying God actually means and what it looks like and what it involves. I'm afraid those words can many times be empty words, hollow. You might ask, well, how can you say that, Len? We just got done singing about glorifying God and making his glory known to us in, in, in praise. We say it, we sing it, we even read it in Scripture. But as I studied and I did a little digging and a little study again about glorifying God, I'm going to share today what I've learned. And it's, it's where I'm at right now with this, uh, a work in progress as we all are. So I've titled today's sermon, Ascribe Him Glory. Ascribe Him Glory. It's taken from Psalm 96. So we're going to read that passage. If you would stand and join me as we pray, commit this time to him, and read God's word. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us all here, for having a place to gather, dear Lord. And Father, as we look at Scripture, Lord God, and again, we pray, Lord, that your spirit would give us understanding and clarity to your word. And Lord God, as we come here, Lord God, that you would get honor and glory. I pray, Lord God, that you would make your glory known through your word today, that the words of my lips would be pleasing to you, that it would be nothing of my own strength, Lord, completely dependent on you, Lord God. So thank you, Lord God, for your promise. Thank you, Lord God, that as we sang that Christ will reign forever, he's reigning now and for eternity. So we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, Psalm 96. The Lord says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship to the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, 
The world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt him and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. May God add his blessing to the reading of the word. Please be seated. So ascribe him glory. In Psalm 96, verses 7 through 9, ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. He's talking to us, families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Why are we to ascribe glory to the Lord? Well, yes, because his word commands us to. He even said that we're not to give glory to anyone else in Isaiah chapter 48. My glory I will not give to another. I know for me, perhaps, I know for me and perhaps for for you also, sometimes the words for the glory of God can roll off our tongues without much consideration. And Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 10.31 that, that all we do, we are to do to the glory of Christ. So in order for us to have a better understanding of doing all things to the glory of God, today I'd like us to make consideration of the person, the people, and the portrayal of glory. The person, the people, and the portrayal of glory. So first we'll look at the person of glory, God. In the book of Acts, Stephen referred to God as the God of glory. Glory is the essence, the nature of God. He is the very definition of glory. And he exhibits glory through his creation. This is how the Westminster Confession of Faith puts it in chapter 2, section 2. God hath all life, glory, goodness, blessedness in and of himself, and is alone in and unto himself all sufficient, not standing in need of any creatures which he hath made, nor deriving any glory from them, but only manifesting his own glory in, by, unto, and upon them. He is the alone foundation of all being, of whom, through whom, and to whom are all things, and hath most sovereign dominion over them, to do by them, for them, or upon them whatsoever himself pleaseth. In his sight all things are open and manifest. His knowledge is infinite, infallible, and independent upon the creature, so as nothing is to him contingent or uncertain. He is most holy in all his counsels, in all his works, and in all his commands." To him is due from angels and men and every other creature whose whatsoever worship, service, or obedience he is pleased to require of them. So again, he exhibits glory through his creation. We're going to unpack that psalm, not verse by verse, because it's kind of bouncing around with it. But the uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith, what we just read, read, that's what we're going to kind of unpack. 
We learned, again, during our study of Exodus in the evening service that God allows no one to see his glory. Amen? Or else what? They would die. But when Moses was on Mount Sinai, God graciously and benevolently revealed himself in ways that still distinguished himself as his, as, uh, that still distinguished himself and his supreme authority. God revealed his glory in three ways in Exodus 34, verses 6 to 7. First, he revealed his glory by the proclamation of his name. We read, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God. Again, he proclaims himself as Lord, or Jehovah, meaning the self-sufficient, eternal, and self-existent God. And he also proclaims himself to be El, God, which means powerful, sovereign creator and authority over all. So God reveals himself in that passage once by his name. He also does with certain attributes. He says, a merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So some of his attributes, and he finishes off by revealing himself through, some, through his works. He says, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But who will be by no means clear, excuse me, but who will by no means clear the guilty? So again, we see the, the righteousness of God, the forgiveness of God for his people and those who are not his people, who, not, who are not pleasing to him, who have not been chosen by him, who are not in Christ, justice will be upon them. Right? His judgment will prevail. God reveals his glory in all his works of creation. And we are to praise him for his creation. We're instructed to do that in Psalm 148, 13. Let them, let us, praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. Everything he made gives God praise. We read in Psalm 96, verses 11 and 12. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy. God's glory is especially demonstrated in the perfect Christ. Amen. Whom Paul in 1 Corinthians 2, 8 referred to as the Lord of glory. So again, we have the person of glory. God reveals his glory to us today by his character, his decrees, and his works. If God is glory and we are his people, I believe in a way, doesn't that make us children of glory, if I could say that? So we, the people of glory, we're commanded through God's word, and the most common passage would be in Deuteronomy 6, 5, where we read, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all of your might. We are to love God. We are to love Him with every ounce of our being. Everything that is in us, our thoughts, our speech, our actions, everything that we would love Him. How do we grow in our love for God? Well, our love grows for God as we grow in our admiration and adoration of Him. Our adoration of God can be expressed only to the extent of which we know Him. And we know that 
to be true that it's time in His Word. Amen? Time in His Word and also as we spend time with God in prayer. Pastor preached that last week, okay, about the, the um, anatomy of prayer and the importance of it. As we spend time with God in prayer while simultaneously reading His Word, we begin to consider God and what He says. And when we do this, we begin to have communion with God, growing in our adoration of Him. As we pray, as we draw near to Him, as we read His Word, that communion, again, is so intimate. It's, it's like sitting across the table from someone close to you and, just, and speaking with them, that exchange of conversation. So we glorify God in our admiration and adoration of Him, which causes us to further meditate and consider who He is, what He's done, and what He's yet to do. In the consideration of God and His Word, we, I also, come to a greater understanding of who I was without Him and who I am now in Christ, as we're reminded by Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Amen? Behold, the new has come. As we meditate on God, we grow in our delight of Him. In the consideration of the great privilege of being His possession, His child, we, the people of glory, naturally are led to worship Him and give Him all praise, honor, and glory when we consider Him, when we take that time with Him. So we had the person of glory, God, the people of glory, and I'm going to spend the remainder of the time on the portrayal of glory or the manifestation of God's glory, right? Putting feet to the words, amen, to what we hear, to what we learn, to what we come here on Sundays in Bible study and community group and we take part in and just putting feet to it. So the manifestation of God's glory. First, God's glory is portrayed with worship, all right, as we Give thanksgiving to God. Psalm 50, verse 23, we read, The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. One way we offer thanksgiving to God is what we just got done doing, and that's sing praises of thanksgiving, amen, to him. Not just for what he's done, but for who he is. When we come in here and sing church, I'm, I'm not saying we do this, but we have to be mindful. We have to, we have to prepare for Sunday as we come in here. We have to remember who we're coming to exalt and who He is. Again, who we are. with Without Him, who we could have been, but who we are mainly because of what He's done. Not concerned about what we sound like. It's a joyful noise, Amen. It's pleasing to the Lord as we proclaim His name and sing praises of thanksgiving. Psalm 100, we read, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. We are His people. We have to... We, I believe we remember that, but have you considered it? Have you parked there for a little while? That we are His possession. 
We're told to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness is to all generations. Amen. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart, the psalmist writes. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Amen. Glory is also portrayed when we offer him thanksgiving with his word or through his word. It's called doxologies. Okay? We sing a, do- we sing a doxology very often at the conclusion of our service. Right? But the word doxology comes from the Greek doxa. Okay? Doxa meaning glory, splendor, grandeur. And logi, logos, meaning word or speaking. So we can translate that word doxology, word speaking of God's glory. Okay? And his, his scripture does that. Right? His word, he speaks of his own glory. With scripture, we thank him for who he is and his many blessings. Here's a verse that we've recently heard. This pastor preached in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's the doxology. Jesus instructs us in our worship of God, right? In John 4.24, he says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. Just a reminder that when he says in spirit, he's speaking of a circumcised heart. He's speaking of a heart inclined towards God. That our heart is set apart to him, that he sits on the throne of our hearts. And that in truth, who we worship him as who he is. And especially as we've been learning through the book of Leviticus, in the manner in which he prescribes. That is the only way we can worship him in spirit a heart set, inclined towards Him, and in truth, in the way He commands us to. We, f- we glorify God with praise, and we glorify God with worship. Next, we give glory to God. It's portrayed with prayer. It's portrayed with prayer. Psalm 118.5 Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. And what happened? The Lord answered me and set me free. Again, that communion with God. When we pray, God gets the glory because we are exhibiting complete faith that He is the only true sovereign God. Familiar passage, Philippians, Paul writes in chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then what? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We glorify God in prayer. When we, when we make our requests known to God, we are, in fact, again, testifying that we trust Him and that He is sovereign over all. And it is through faithful prayer that we can have that peace that surpasses all understanding, surpasses every understanding. We cannot explain it. No one can explain it. Sometimes we, we, when we trust God and things happen, or while, even before they happen, people we know might look at us like we have two heads. 
How can you do that? How can, how can you still give to the church when you're having trouble paying your bills? How can you do something like that? It just makes sense not to, not to do that. But that individual trusting in God, in a sovereign God, feels inclined to do so, and they continue doing that. I mean, that's just a, a very small example. But again, that peace, and that peace rests in us that we don't have to worry. That once, once we've laid whatever it is at God's feet, whatever the circumstance might be, whether it's health, whether it's economical, whatever it might be, we are recipients of that peace that brings rest. In addition, again, people close to us notice how we're persevering and enduring whatever the situation may be. The next way that we're giving God glory, it's portrayed with proclamation. Proclamation of His Word, of His goodness, right? People see that peace in us. They see the peace we have. We're commanded to proclaim that peace by telling people about God's goodness, thereby giving Him glory. For example, we, we give God praise for the provision your pastor prayed at the opening for Brenda and giving glory to God, thanks, giving to God for everything right now to be worked out where she is at the threshold of receiving a liver. And God has to provide that. So we acknowledge that. God provided whatever it is, my car, my house, my clothes. He opened the door for a job. He opened the door for ministry. I'm not trying to minimize that. By all means, we should give God glory. We should give Him Thanks for that. But more importantly, Scripture says we should, we should be speaking to others about God's redeeming grace. Psalm 66, 16 says, Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell what He has done for my soul. I believe there He's talking to the people of God. He says, Come hear all you who fear God. So it's you and I that we would tell what He has done for my soul, that we would encourage one another while exalting His name and giving Him glory. Amen? Again, giving God glory is portrayed with our surrender to Him. The moment, what I'm speaking of is the moment of our salvation because it's not our own work. It's by God's grace. The moment God's Spirit regenerates you and I, when God's words cause a shift in our heart and mind from isolation from God to desiring communion with God. The moment we desire and begin to turn from serving self to desiring to serve God, that we no longer want to live for self, but we want to live for Him. Acts 13.48, we read, And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And now as Christians, you and I, we need to surrender our daily lives each day. Uh, the sin nature that's still in us, although no longer that we are dominated by it, we have to resist it. We have to yield to God's Spirit. We need to be constantly on guard to, be a, to avoid to be self-serving. Again, who's, who's seated on my heart right now? Is it Jesus or is it me? Romans 8, verses 7 to 8, Paul writes, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. 
Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. There are moments you and I can be in the flesh. Amen? But we cannot please God. We cannot bring Him glory. He may choose at times to glorify. He will glorify Himself in that. Right? When my thoughts are not set on the things above, they are naturally set on the flesh. They're set on me. And even as a Christian, and as for long as we are here on this earth, we will have to hit that uh, reset button and surrender our daily lives constantly to the will of our Savior. Which leads to God's glory being portrayed with obedience. With obedience. If we love Jesus and want to give Him glory, simply obey His instructions. Right? The command is simple, but the carrying out of it at times is not. John 14, 15, Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commands. That word keep means to observe. Right? It's indicative. There should be visible evidence okay, of keeping his commands. It should come out in our actions. John 15, 8, By this, Jesus says, My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Right? This has to be evidence of our obedience to Him. It comes out in our actions and what we do. Simply, but simply obeying is not enough. It's obedience with the proper attitude. Again, having the right heart. 1 John 5.3 For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Okay? That they're not burdensome. Obey we are to obey without, I'll just say, without complaining, okay? Uh, that, that our heart posture, again, would be a, of, of worship and service, of gratitude towards God. We can complain verbally. We can complain with our countenance, right, and our facial expressions, or even in our actions, how we conduct ourselves in that service, right, of God. So how we do it is very important also. So again, it's not just the obedience, but how we carry out that obedience with the right heart attitude. Glory goes to God, and it's portrayed with honoring Him, specifically the honoring of His Word. Jude 3, we read, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to all the saints. Again, he's speaking to the churches about the false teachers that were then, and unfortunately there are some today, teaching a perversion of God's word. We honor God by defending against false teaching. We defend against false teaching by being a student of God's word and by wielding the sword of the Spirit that destroys those perversions. Again, things, the, 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 the lies, all right, the false gospels that come out, not that we debate them, not that we're argumentative. There's an easy answer. It's God's word. God's word will, will, will rebuke that. But we need to know, we need to be students of God's word in order to respond. We glorify God. It's, it's portrayed with the quiet submission to his sovereignty. The quiet submission to His sovereignty. What I mean is 
does submission to God when we are going through a difficult time, let's say, especially when that difficulty can be lessened or even avoided by not remaining true to God's instructions. It's very easy to, to move a comma or a decimal point on a tax return and make a world of difference. And if, if you have a business to shift from one column to an expense column to make, you know, you know what I'm saying? Just to lie, to be deceptive. It is very tempting to do that. And no one would know except God. And people may look at you and say, are you nuts? What are you doing? I know when we, I shouldn't even, I had a, I had a business and when I got saved, I got saved when Sharon and I had that business and God convicted us to do everything to glorify him. Let's just say that. So when we took that route, some of our employees were not happy. I know people close to me said, you're not going to survive. We survived a, a while longer, but God had to deal with us, deal with me. And again, that gave him glory to, to, to be honest, to be forthcoming, and trust him. He provided for everything all those years, just the same. Amen. So again, quiet submission to God. Job, in uh, chapter 1, verse 21 and he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. No matter his circumstances, whether they changed or not, Job understood God's sovereignty. All that he had was from God. If it wasn't for God, he would not have it. We quietly submit and endure because God's word, God tells us in his word that all things work, what, for good, church? For those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? All things work for good. It's, again, to give Him glory. It's to sanctify us. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know, we know this, right? That the testing of our faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. All those portrayals, and there are other ways, I know, just for the sake of time, I, I think it would be good for, I know, for us to spend more time in this. Hopefully our community groups and, and our personal time, we can, we can advance this a little further into our personal lives and Scripture. All these portrayals can be summed up, again, in 1 Corinthians, by 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whatever you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of of God. Everything means everything. Everything. Everything we do. As the believer spends time with God in his word, learning more about who God is and who he, and who he is, who the believer is in the Lord, we may have a recognition of who we once were apart from Christ and who we may have become. That recognition along with the recognition of who we are, should lead us to an appreciation and an adoration of God, that we would want to glorify Him and serve Him. Not, not in a guilty way, in a loving way, to show our love. As our appreciation and adoration for Him grows, we express our love to Him through obedience. It is not a burden, but a yearning. I yearn to obey God's Word because... 
That's how I show my love for my Jesus. Amen? It's not a burden. Job 23.12, he says, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. Again, the food that sustains us, right? Man does not live on bread alone, but every worth that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's what sustains us. It's the life-giving source. If I obey God, everything else is going to be added. God is going to take care of me. And Jesus said in John 4, 34, Jesus said, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work. May that be our desire, church. To do the will of Jesus Christ. To do the will of the Father. I'd like us now to take uh, some considerations. Some considerations that we, that we should take when we talk about the glorification of God. I mentioned them briefly, but just going to kind of bullet them. What is our motive? What is our motive? Ephesians 6, verses 5 to 6. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. This, uh, I, I, when, I, when I check my motive, I say, is what I'm doing for God or is what I'm doing of God? Is what I'm doing just an action? That, which I could be. I could just be obeying God's word and, and following it through. But is it what God has purpose for me to do? Is it what he's made me to do? Because then I'm doing it of God. I'm not just offering him something. So again, the motive. Second, dependence. All right? Again, what I mean is not in my wisdom, not in my strength. Romans 11:36, for for him and through him and in him and to excuse me, for him through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Did I not operate independent of God, but I do things always dependent on God. Everything depends on Him. And then, am I thankful? Am I showing God thankfulness? Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. We learned about that again last week a little bit. Am I thankful for God's Faithfulness, for His faithfulness in my life. Psalm 117, praise the Lord, all nations, extol Him, all peoples, for great is His steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. And then I need to consider my efforts, right? what I'm doing for God. Familiar verse, Colossians 3.23, again, whatever you do, work heartily. As for the Lord and not for men. Again, we not only glorify God in ministry and when we gather here as, as the church, but in everything that we do. Psalm 149.4 says, For the Lord takes pleasure in His people. He adorns the humble with salvation. So everything, again, whatever we do, that we do it with a whole heart. And lastly, motivations. 
some motivations. What, sh- what, what should be our catalyst? What should motivate us to want to glorify God? Well, two things. Maybe three. He's the creator and sustainer, right? The creator and sustainer, the one who preserves you and I. Acts chapter 17, verses 24 to 28. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. And I can't, I can't exclude this passage in Psalm 139, beginning verse 13. Again, he is our creator and he sustains us. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. I praise you. Uh, My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Amen. He is our sustainer. He is our creator. And we belong to him. We are his Possession. 1 Corinthians 6.20 For you were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. Very simple. Again, physically is part of it. Romans 6.22 But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Amen. And lastly... Our central, I believe, and main motivation as we observe the Lord's table today is God's plan of redemption. Amen? Again, as as we go to that table today and remember who God is, who we are now in Him, and what He's done. Back to Ephesians chapter 1, from verse 3 to 7, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood for forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His glory. Church, if nothing motivates you, meditate on this passage that before He formed any of us, He knew us and He chose us. In spite of who I am, in spite of what I've done, before I 
knew who I was in Christ, he knew I would be here with you. He knew you'd be here together with us as a body of Christ. Because now our citizenship is in heaven. Amen? It is secured. In His sovereign providence, again, God determined that we'd be here. He has set us apart unto Himself. He adopted us. The unlovely. We are His. We are His sons. We are His daughters. One day we will all stand in His presence, whether we know Him or not. And on that day, Matthew says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That should be, if nothing else motivates us, church, again, that we have our eyes on eternity. It is certain. We're promised. We are His. And one day, we will be with the King. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you again so much, Lord God, for, for teaching me. And I, I'm not arrived, not by a, a long shot, dear Lord. And I anticipate to learn more, Lord, about the glorification of you and how, we, how I can better be that representation or your, your vessel, dear Lord. So I pray that for all my brothers and sisters, Lord God, that we would grow you, Lord, that we would be students of your word, that we would consider, Lord, the many ways, Lord God, that you have blessed us and the, the way you've, made, you've equipped us and made a way, Lord God, to bring you glory and to spend all eternity with you, Lord God. Lord, just help us have a deeper understanding and grasp of that, that our love for you would grow, that our adoration of you would grow, Lord God, that we would be your adornment, dear Lord. Not that you need us, you need nothing from us. We are the recipients of your grace. May we be thankful for it and serve you because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So at this time, we'll observe the Lord's table.